and you thought your supply chain was just for moving and linking goods and services. Intel, for example, announced that their entire supply chain will be certified as conflict-free, right? And that's looking at their supplies so that profits from metals sourced for its chips are not funding any human rights violations. Welcome to Gartner ThinkCast, where the world's top IT and business experts explore the most important issues on your agenda. Here are the insights you need to help solve your most pressing challenges and build a more impactful long-term strategy. And you can go even deeper on these topics with Gartner webinars at gartner.com webinars. And now, the latest edition of Gartner ThinkCast. If you want to build a world-class supply chain, look to those who already have. And this is not just about the big boys. This is for organizations of any size. Hi, I'm Scott Smith for ThinkCast, and I'm here with Gartner Managing Vice President for Supply Chain Research, Mark Atwood, for a look at what separates the best of the best in supply chain and how you can join them. Mark is a co-author of the Gartner Supply Chain Top 25. Mark, welcome. So let's start at the top. Could you tell us who really stood out in the latest Top 25? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. So as you know, and you probably know, this is research that we've done now consistently for many years, and it's always fun and fascinating to see the way this plays out. So for the first time, uh, consumer products company Unilever actually topped our ranking. They were followed by McDonald's, Amazon, Intel, and then actually a newcomer to the group uh, from the retail sector, H&M. Last year, we set aside a, a category, we created a category called masters, and these were for companies that really had been able to demonstrate consistently over many, many years, excellence, dominance, and leadership in supply chain capabilities. Last year, in 2015, Apple and Procter & Gamble made the masters category. This year, once again, because of their performance, Apple and P&G were also our masters. So those are the top five and the two masters in the, in the 2016 ranking. So looking at the top five and the masters, what is it that makes them stand out? What are some of those criteria that really pop out and make them leaders here? Yeah, sure. Let me talk about a few. One of the things that we've uh, consistently talked about with the top 25 is this idea of being demand-driven, of really having a fantastic visibility to your demand signal and being able to translate that demand signal back into a profitable response, a supply response. And that really involves kind of going beyond the inward-focused internal supply chain capabilities that are important and that many companies need to get into place. But really to become demand driven, you've kind of got to go beyond that and really think more about orchestrating that supplier response across a network of partners. And the folks that we see at the top of the top 25, indeed the folks that we see in the top 25, have proven really good at that kind of demand driven capability. Another thing that we see these companies doing is really advancing their capabilities, continuing to advance their capabilities in corporate social responsibility. Um, this has uh, emerged as a key theme, really, going back to the late 
2007, 2008 when we really started to see it. But now it's becoming so important, you know, given the footprint of these large global supply chains. We actually incorporated a new corporate social responsibility measure into the methodology this year to, uh, to kind of account for this. And we see uh, a number of these leaders, you know, really evidencing ability to demonstrate impact, whether it's resource management, whether it's uh, alternative energy sources, waste management, uh, real strong leadership at the top. And then, you know, finally, these companies are excelling because with everything that's going on, the CEO office is still demanding growth, whether that comes from product growth, new product introductions, whether it comes from mergers and acquisitions, always we see supply chain kind of working there to help support that growth. And again, the companies that we see in the top 25 are great examples of companies that are really able to execute on all those fronts. You know, as I'm listening to you, I think back to, uh, we're recording this a few weeks after Gartner Symposium IT Expo, and one of the things during the keynote they rolled out were the five domains, the five kind of drivers of digital transformation and ecosystems were certainly there. Yep. And that sounds like when you're talking about those networks, really supply chain is uh, really encapsulates that as much as anything. Absolutely. You know, the way we look at supply chain is there aren't really many organizations, groups within an organization that touch as many different constituents internally and externally that comprise those networks as supply chain does. Um, it gets into a whole other discussion around communication and orchestration and collaboration skills, but we don't have time for that right now, unfortunately. You, you mentioned Unilever kind of being not, I wouldn't say a surprise, but a different leader in this year's category. Uh, and H&M, uh, joining as a retailer, getting into the top five. What were some of the more significant changes that you saw in this year's rankings, whether not so much maybe the players, but in terms of those themes you're seeing, the, the, the real drivers of things? Yeah, we'll talk about some of the drivers and the themes in a little while, but we really had some interesting movement within the top 25. New companies coming in, companies kind of moving their position. So um, the companies that actually came in, there were five of them this year, which we don't always see, right? This year, kind of uh, heavier on the industrial side, right? So Schneider Electric, BASF, the chemicals company, BMW, all of those companies joined the global list for the first time. We've seen those companies pop in the regional lists that we've done, specifically as you look at Europe, but this is the first time that those three companies are making the, uh, the global list. And then we had two companies that rejoined after being off the list for a couple of years, GSK in life sciences and HP in high-tech manufacturing. So it was uh, interesting to see kind of the, uh, the arrival and the movement of those new companies on the list. Now, Amazon, interestingly enough, dropped to number three uh, after its first year at number one last year. And, and look, with Amazon, it, it had nothing to do with flagging financial performance inventory or the opinion polls, and I'll discuss the methodology in a little while. But this was really um, Amazon kind of scoring lower, relatively speaking, on this new corporate social responsibility metric that we introduced. Look, Amazon is, is known for being relatively close to the vest, uh, that kind of a culture. And there's historically been kind of a lack of transparency there to what they're doing from a sustainability standpoint. And part of our measure 
acknowledges um, transparency and the ability to share what you're doing with your sustainability efforts. We think this is changing though. I mean, we've definitely seen Amazon bringing in uh, more sustainability experts and talking more about sustainability. So we expect to uh, see them make another run at it in the near future. You can find much more on this and other key IT and business topics in Gartner's webinars at gartner.com slash webinars. And of course, more of our ThinkCast discussions at gartner.com slash podcasts. And now, back to this ThinkCast conversation. So as we look at these best supply chains, and I'm thinking across the Gartner clientele and even the prospects that we have looking at us, there are of various sizes of companies, whether global enterprises like many of the ones on this list are, SMBs and everything in between. You also have various industry-specific, and so I'm, you know, I'm thinking someone might be looking in either first glance going, well, it's all well and good, but I'm never going to be that big, or that's not my industry. What, though, are the lessons we take away from these leaders that can be applied for all of us? Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, I like to talk in terms of threes. We saw kind of three uh, interesting themes come out of the research this year, and, and a couple of these are extensions of what we've seen before, but this year they really came to the front and center of being really good indicators of top levels of performance. So um, I'll start with, again, keeping on my corporate social responsibility theme, right? We, we looked at that uh, as part of the methodology, but we really saw that um, the, the leaders are stepping up in a very large way to share what they're doing from a corporate social responsibility standpoint. Um, you know, again, that, that idea of these large global supply chains having a really influential impact on the global footprint, whether you're looking at um, the resources they're requiring or the, uh, the energy involved in running their operations. So, you know, we're seeing different examples of this um, in, in this year's report. We talk about a couple of examples Here's one, uh, Intel, for example, announced that their entire supply chain will be certified as conflict-free, right? And that's looking at their supplies so that profits from metals sourced for its chips are not funding any human right violations. And, and Intel's been talking about that and doing things there for a while now, but this year um, they're really talking about extending that to the full extent. Another high-profile example we've seen is um, a Unilever again, and this is one of the things that helped propel them to the top. Their announcement that they're sending zero waste to landfills as part of its global manufacturing capability um, and these are just two, you know, two examples. We could talk about more, but really corporate social responsibility leadership. A second major theme that came out is this idea of advanced analytics, right? I know we talk about this a lot on the IT side, but, and, and we've seen uh, implementations of this throughout supply chain for a while now, but now companies using advanced analytics in thinking about their end-to-end supply chain operation and really taking advantage of some innovative ideas and uh, approaches. Um, perfect example, right? A equipment manufacturer, so on the industrial side, actually now using CRM data, right, customer relationship management data, actually going into that data, setting up algorithms to kind of predict which deals that they have visibility to in their CRM system, which deals will win and which deals will not win. Understanding what will win and what will not win will give them a leg up on their demand signal. 
it also helps them kind of uh, understand where they may be having problems when it comes to deals being lost. So there's an example of using advanced analytics on a CRM sales system to help influence what their demand signal may look like or to help them understand and even predict what their demand signal may look like. Again, just one example, but really um, you know, taking the advanced analytics story to a new level. And then uh, a final kind of theme that we talk about that, that was very apparent this year is what we called customer-driven partner integration. So I know that's kind of a mouthful. Let me explain. Um, supply chain being customer-centric has always been a key component of supply chain success. But this year, we're seeing companies really, again, take that idea to a natural extension. No better example of this is than what we see in consumer products companies. A lot of these companies right now are actually um, centralizing their customer service functions, customer-facing capabilities, and they're pulling those together into these kind of cost-effective centralized hubs. Right? So they're getting all the benefit of centralization. They're getting standardization, economies of scale, best practices, but they're putting these very close to customer bases. So that's giving them kind of the benefit of scale, but also the benefit of customer input, customer closeness. So the companies that uh, really we saw kind of leading the charge in the top 25 are good examples of that customer intimacy. Mark, thank you very much. Mark Atwood is Managing Vice President for Supply Chain Research at Gartner. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of the information technology industry. All content provided by other enterprises is expressly the views of those enterprises and the speakers. The information should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of said enterprise's products or services. If you want to learn more about how to maximize your supply chain, check out the webinar on the Gartner Top 25. You can find it at gartner.com slash webinars, along with other presentations on a wide range of topics critical to your operations and strategy. I'm Scott Smith. Thanks again to listening to ThinkCast. And that's another episode of Gartner ThinkCast. We want your insights. So email us at gartnerthinkcast at gartner.com. You can hear more ThinkCast segments at gartner.com slash podcasts. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. And when you're there, make sure to rate us. Thank you for listening to ThinkCast. ThinkCast.